I have a new letter from Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, and it's entitled, Free Us to Evil, Considerations on the Great Reboot and the New World Order. No one will be part of the New World Order until they perform an act of worship to Lucifer. No one will enter the New Age who has not received the Luciferian instruction. Those are the words of David Spangler, director of the United Nations Planetary Initiative Project, in his work Reflections on Christ at Findhorn in 1978. For more than a year and a half, we have been helplessly witnessing a succession of incongruous events for which most of us are not in a position to give a plausible explanation. The pandemic emergency has made particularly evident the contradictions and absurdity of measures in theory intended to limit contagion, confinement, curfew, interruption of trade, limitation of public services and education, suspension of civil rights, and that daily they are rejected by discordant voices, by undeniable evidence of their ineffectiveness, and by contradictions on the part of the health authorities themselves. It is not necessary to list the measures that almost all the governments of the world have taken without obtaining the promised results. The Lancet has declared that the viral load of those vaccinated with a second regimen is 251 times higher compared to the first strains of the virus, despite the proclamations of international leaders, starting with the Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi, who states that when whoever gets vaccinated lives and whoever doesn't get vaccinated dies. The side effect of gene therapy, cleverly concealed or deliberately not registered by the national health authorities, seems to confirm the danger of the administration and the disturbing unknowns for the health of the citizens that we will soon have to face. Medical art, which is not science, but consists of the application of almost always different scientific principles based on experience and experimentation, shown signs of having renounced its own prudence in the name of an emergency that has elevated it to the category of priesthood of, re of religion, specifically science, that to be such is wrapped in a dogmatism bordering on superstition. The ministers of this cult have become an untouchable caste, exempt from any criticism, even when their claims are denied by the reality of the facts. The principles of medicine, considered universally valid until February 2020, had given away to improvisation, to the point of recommending vaccination in the midst of a pandemic, the obligation to wear masks despite having been declared useless, absurd social distancing, the prohibition of treatment with effective drugs, and the imposition of experimental gene therapies in contravening of the customary safety regulations. And just as COVID priests have emerged, they have also appeared heretics, that is, those who reject the new pandemic religion and want to be faithful to the oath of Hippocrates. Oftentimes, the aura of infallibility around virologists and other more or less qualified scientists is not seen to be called into question because of their conflicts of interest or because of the obvious perks of pharmaceutical companies, which under normal circumstances would be scandalous or criminal. Many fail to understand the incongruity between declared ends and the means that are occasionally employed to obtain them. If in Sweden the lack of confinement and the imp imposition of masks has not resulted in infections greater than those in countries where home confinement has been implemented or the obligation of a mask has been imposed even in primary school, this element is not applied, takes into account as evidence of the ineffectiveness of the measures taken. If in Israel and Great Britain mass vaccination has increased the contagion and made the disease more virulent, his example does not urge the rulers of other countries to adopt a prudent attitude in the vaccination campaign, but even leads them to study the mandatory nature of its administration. 
if ivermectin and hyperimmune plasma have proven to be valid therapies, they are not approved for this, let alone recommended. And those who question the reason for such disconcerting irrationality end up suspending the trial, replacing it with a kind of fideistic adherence to the solemn declarations of the priests of the COVID, or, on the contrary, they consider the medical healers who cannot be trusted. As I said on another occasion, we are faced with a colossal scam based on lies and fraud, scam that starts from the premise that the justifications adduced by the authorities in support of what they are doing with us are sincere. Speaking in silver, the error consists in considering the rulers honest and believing that they do not lie. Thus, we persist in looking for more or less plausible justifications in order not to recognize that we are the object of a plot planned down to the smallest details. And while we try to rationally explain irrational behaviors and attribute a logic to the illogic behavior of those who govern us, cognitive dissonance makes us close our eyes to the evidence and believe the most blatant lies. We should have understood, I wrote it some time ago, that the plan of the Great Reboot was not the fruit of conspiracy delusions, but rather the palpable evidence of a universal dictatorship with which a minority of immeasurably wealthy people intends to enslave and subject all of humanity to destruction. World Cup ideology, because of the accusation of the conspiracy, could have made sense when the conspiracy was not evident, but today it is already unjustifiable to deny what the elite has projected since the 1950s. What Kalergi, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, Klaus Schwab, Jacques Attali, and Bill Gates affirmed during the post-war period has been published in books and newspapers, commented on and invoked by international entities and foundations, the United States of Europe, uncontrolled immigration, the reduction of wages, the suspension of union guarantees, the renunciation of national sovereignty, the single currency, the control of citizens under the pretext of the pandemic and the reduction of the population through the use of techno technology vaccines, leading edge or not recent in inventions, but the result of a planned, organized, and coordinated action, action that clearly follows a single script under a single direction. Once it is clear that what is happening has been intended with a view to achieving certain results, and consequently to pursue certain interests for the benefit of a minority part of humanity, it is also necessary to have the honesty to recognize the criminal intention of the promoters of the plan. Such criminal design also helps us to understand the fraud committed by the authorities when preserving certain measures as an inevitable remedy to an unforeseen situation, when that situation has been artificially created and enlarged for the mere purpose of legitimizing a revolution, a revolution that Schwab identifies as the fourth industrial revolution, devised by the elite to the detriment of all humanity. The submission of the authorities is, on the other hand, the result of a process that began much earlier, with the French Revolution, which has ensured that the political class is not the servant of God, whose royalty it, all, it dispenses with, nor of the sovereign people to whom they despise, and of the one that serves only to legitimize itself, but of the economic and financial potentates, the international oligarchy of bankers and usurers, the multinationals and the pharmaceutical companies. In reality, if you look at all of these subjects, depend on a small number of well-known families who enjoy a very great fortune. The same is the, sub is the submission observed in the form information. Journalists have accepted without slightest scruples of conscience to prostitute themselves to the powerful, thereby censoring the truth and spreading blatant lies without worrying about giving them the slightest hint of credibility. If, until last year, the press counted the victims of the COVID, presenting those who have tested positive as terminally ill, currently those who are dying after having been vaccinated are always affected by ailments. Before it is decided to perform an autopsy, it is automatically concluded 
that the death is not related to the administration of gene therapy. They alter the truth with impunity when it does not conform to the official discourse, adapting it to their ends. What has been happening for a year and a half now has been disclosed in advance, even in the smallest details, by the architects of the Great Reset, as well as the measures that would be taken had, had already been announced. On February 17, 1950, the famous banker James Warburg told the U.S. Senate, Like it or not, we will have a world government. What remains to be seen is whether the government will be implemented by consensus or by force. Four years later, the Bilderberg Group was born, whose members have included figures such as Agnelli, Kissinger, Mario Monti, and Mario Draghi, current Italian Prime Minister. In 1991, David Rockefeller wrote, The planet is ready for a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an elite of international intellectuals and bankers is undoubtedly preferable to the self-determination of nations of previous centuries. And, he added, we are on the eve of a transformation on a planetary scale. It only takes a proper world crisis for all countries to accept the new world order. Today, we can affirm that this adequate crisis coincides with the emergence of the pandemic and with the closed order program since 2010 in the Rockefeller Foundation document, Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development, in which the events we are witnessing were already foreseen. In short, these individuals have created a false problem in order to impose population control measures as an apparent solution. Eliminate small and medium-sized enterprises through confinement and a COVID passport for the benefit of a few international groups. End education through the distance learning. Reduce the cost of labor and face-to-face -face work working from home. Privatize public health for the benefit of large pharmaceutical companies and allow governments to use the state of emergency to legislate against the law and impose supposed vaccines to the entire population so that all citizens who became chronically ill or sterile can be traced. The elite have done everything they set out to do, and it is incomprehensible that in the face of the evidence of the premeditation with which this infam infamous crime against humanity has been perpetrated, which sees the leaders of almost the whole world as accomplices and traitors, there is not a single magistrate who initiates a case against them to find out the truth and condemn the guilty and accomplices. The one who disagrees is not only censored, it is also pointed out as a public enemy, as contagion, as subhuman beings to whom rights are not recognized. Deep State and Deep Church The least that could be done with a criminal plan would be to report it, make it known to frustrate it and prosecute the guilty. A list of traitors should be headed by the heads of government, ministers and parliamentarians, who would be followed by corrupt virologists and doctors, together with complicit officials, the top of the armed forces incapable of opposing this violation of the Constitution, the sold-out journalists, cowardly judges, and sycophantic unions. In that long list may be the, may, that may one day be written, we should also include the leadership of the Catholic Church, beginning with Bergoglio and not a few bishops, who had become ardent executors of the will of the rulers against the divine mandate received from Christ. Certainly with that list, the scope of the conspiracy and the number of conspirators would be known, thereby confirming the crisis of authority and the perversion of the civil and religious authorities. In short, it would be understood that the corrupted part of the civil authorities, deep state, and that of the ecclesiastical authorities, deep church, are the obverse and the reverse of the same metal, both being instruments for the implementation of the new world order. Now, to understand this alliance between civil and religious power, it is necessary to recognize the spiritual and eschatological dimension of the conflict that we live, framing it in the war that Lucifer has waged against God since his fall. This war, the outcome of which has been decided forever, with the inevitable defeat of Satan and the Antichrist, and their crushing defeat under the feet of the star-encircled lady, it is nearing its conclusion. 
That is why the forces of darkness are so unleashed, eager to erase the name of our Lord from the face of the earth, and to end not only his tangible presence in our cities by demolishing their churches, removing crosses and suppressing Christian festivals, but also erasing its memory, destroying Christian civilization, adulterating its teachings, and devaluing the cult. Certainly a faithful and courageous hierarchy willing to suffer martyrdom to defend the faith and Christian morals is an obstacle for those who seek that end. Because at the end of the 1950s, when the project of the New World Order was taking shape, it left its mark on this infiltration operation that began its own subversive work a few years later with the Second Vatican Council, in search of which the election of Roncalli and the exclusion of the Papa Billy Siri, Pacelli's Dolphin, was an injection of enthusiasm both for the progressive and modernist sector within the Church and for the communist, liberal, and Masonic sector of the civil sphere. The council was within the church what the ballgame hall oath was in civil society, the beginning of the revolution. And although on numerous occasions I have wanted to highlight the subversive character of the council, we have our dangerous relationships. As Michael Matt recently reported in a video posted on The Remnant, we are beginning to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and we discover, by the own admission of one of the protagonists, that Monsignor Helder Camara, Archbishop of Olinda and Recife, Brazil, met precisely in those years with a young Klaus Schwab, founder of the World Economic Forum and the theoretical of the Great Reboot. Schwab, who knew the prelate for his opposition to the traditional church and his revolutionary and pauperous theses, invited him to the Davos Forum, considering that his participation would be vital with a view to the project of the New Order. We know that Helder Camara was one of the organizers of the Pact of the Catacombs, which a few days before the closing of the Council on November 16, 1965, was signed by some 40 ultra-progressive bishops. Among the heretical theses of the aforementioned document, based on justice and equality, it is not surprising that the signatories also included Monsignor Enrique Angelili, Auxiliary Bishop of Cordoba, Argentina, and a reference for the then-Father Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Bergoglio himself has declared that he shares the aspirations of the Pact of the Catacombs since the beginning of his pontificate. On October 20th, 2019, on the occasion of the Synod for the Amazon, the Pact of the Conspirators in the Catacombs of Santa Domitia was renewed, confirming that the plan initiated during the Council had been carried out precisely with Jorge Mario Bergoglio, which, far from distancing itself from the progressive extremists who decided its election in the last conclave, does not miss the opportunity to demonstrate its full coherence with a new world order plan, starting with the collaboration of Vatican entities and dicasteries with Malthusian-style environmentalism and participation in the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, an international alliance with the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and big banks. Thus, on the one hand, David Rockefeller with the Trilateral Commission, and on the other, Klaus Schwab, a relative of the Rothschilds with the World Economic Forum. They work hand-in-hand hand with the head of the Catholic Church to establish the new world order through the Great Reset, as planned since the 1950s. In this Pactum Scleris, infamous pact, some members of the Pontifical Academy for Life participate, recently altered in its organization by Bergoglio himself, who has separated from it the most faithful members of the Magisterium to replace them with supporters of depopulation, contraception, and abortion. No wonder the Holy See's support for vaccines. The June 2011 Sovereign Independent reported on the front page, Depopulation Through Forced Vaccination, the Zero Carbon Dioxide Solution. Alongside the headline, a photo of Bill Gates is accompanied by the following comment, Today, the world has 6.8 billion people. We are on our way to 9 billion people. If we do things right with the latest generation of vaccines, health care and reproductive health, that is abortion and contraception, we are in a position to reduce the population by between 10 and 15 percent. 
This was said by Bill Gates 11 years ago, and today he is one of the shareholders of the BlackRock Group, which finances the pharmaceutical companies that produce vaccines, as well as one of the sponsors of the World Health Organization and of countless public and private entities related to the field of health. At his side, curiously, we find George Soros, the philanthropist of open society, with which precisely with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has recently invested in a British company that manufactured PCR tests. And since we are talking about economic matters, I would like to remind you that the Holy See has owned shares worth almost 20 million euros in two pharmaceutical companies that manufacture contraceptive. And more recently, it has invested in a fund that guarantees very high profits. In cases of geopolitical crises or pandemics, thanks to speculation in international currencies, GeoRisk, managed by the Merrill Lynch Business Bank, which a few months after the start of the pandemic has been forced to cut it in view of how revenues had skyrocketed. Other capitals coming from the Obelisk of St. Peter have served to finance various initiatives, including in collaboration with Lapo Elcon, including the autobiographical film about Elton John, not to mention real estate speculation and the acquisition of a London building, one at 60 Sloan Avenue, which has been widely reported in the Chronicles. From reliable sources, I know that Bergoglio himself decided this, and there is more. There are those who maintain that the argument with China prepared by the Jesuits and former Cardinal McCarrick had obtained generous financing from the communist regime in Beijing in exchange for the silence on the persecution of Catholics and the violation of human rights, all in the name of coherence and of the poor church for the poor so dear to Bergoglio. The same has happened with the shady business of immigration. Among those who profit from the reception are, in addition to leftist organizations, Vatican entities, and bishops' conferences, to which the state subsidizes with considerable amounts of money to host clandestine immigrants. The horrible monument of the bronze patera installed by Bergoglio in St. Peter's Square is the plastic representation of a hypocrisy that is a mark of the house of this pontificate. In a recent hearing on Wednesday, we heard these words, the hypocrite is a person who pretends, flatters, and deceives because he lives with a mask on his face and does not have the courage to face the truth. Particularly detestable is the hypocrisy in the church, and unfortunately there is hypocrisy in the church. It seems to me that all the comments are accurate. The meddling of the deep state in the life of the Catholic Church has been very numerous. We cannot forget the emails from John Podesta to Hillary Clinton, in which the intention is expressed to expel Benedict XVI from the pontificate and thus start a new spring for the Church, progressive and globalist, which later materialized in the abdication of Benedict in the election of the Argentine. Nor can we ignore the interference by entities and institutions that have nothing to do with religion, such as Benai Brith, imposing the line of renewal of the Church after the Council, which has reached its maximum expression during this pontificate. Finally, we must remember, on the one hand, the disdain with which he has refused to receive conservative personalities and political institutions and audience, and on the other, the enthusiastic encounters smiling from ear to ear with figures from the left and the progressivism and equally enthusiastic expressions of satisfaction on the occasion of, your, of the young adult, young adult Catholics for choice. That is, those who boast of being Christians, but in their exercise of politics are not consistent with faith and morals. Figures like Joe Biden with Nancy Pelosi, Prodi, Monty, Conte, Daragi, to name just a few. As can be seen, the cooperation between the deep state and the deep church it's not from yesterday morning, and has already given the expected results to its authors with very serious damages for the state and for religion. 
The closure of churches in early 2020, even before the civil authorities imposed the confinement, the prohibition of celebrating masses and administering sacraments during the pandemic emergency, the grotesque exhibition of March 27 at Plaza de San Pedro, the insistence on vaccination and promoting its legality, despite the fact that cell lines from aborted fetuses have been used in its production, Bergoglio's statements that gene therapy would be a moral duty for every Christian, the obligation of a sanitary passport in the Vatican, and more recently, in Catholic schools and some seminaries, the prohibition by the Holy See to the bishops to pronounce against the obligation to be vaccinated, which some Episcopal conferences have been quick to obey. All this demonstrates the submission of the deep church to the orders of the deep state and the integration of the Bergolian church in the globalist plan. If this is added to the idolatrous cult of the Pacamama under the dome of St. Pedro, the insistence on ironist ecumenism, pacifism and pauperism, situational morality and legitimation in the practice of adultery and concubage through Amoris Laetitia, the declaration of illegality of the death penalty, the support for leftist politicians, revolutionary leaders and convinced abortionists, words of understanding for the aspirations of the LGBT, homosexual and transsexual movement, the silence before the legitimation of homosexual unions, and what is more disconcerting, the blessing of sodomite couples by German bishops and priests, the prohibition of the Tridentine Mass by repealing the motu proprio Samorum Pontificum, Benedict XVI. All this shows that Jorge Mario Bergoglio is carrying out what the World Cup elite has entrusted to him, which sees in him a liquidator of the Catholic Church and a founder of the philanthropic and ecumenical sect of Masonic inspiration that would be the universal religion supported by the New Order. Whether he is fully aware of what he is doing or if he is doing it out of fear or coercion, this does not diminish the seriousness of what is happening or the moral responsibility of the person promoting it. At this time, it is necessary to clarify what is meant by the new world order, or rather what its architects are up to, regardless of what they say to the public. Because on the one hand, it is true that there is a project that someone has conceived and others are taking care of executing. But on the other hand, it is no less true that the principles that inspire this project are not always confessible, or at least their close relationship with what is happening cannot be categorically admitted, since recognizing it would suppose the opposition of the calmest and most moderate. It is one thing to impose the COVID passport with the excuse of the pandemic. Another is to recognize that the purpose of said safe conduct is that we get used to being tracked at all times, and another to affirm that this total dominance is the mark of the beast of which the apocalypse speaks. Readers will forgive me if I support, if in support of what I affirm, I resort to citing something of such gravity and evil that causes confusion and horror, but it is necessary to understand the intentions of the architects of this plot in the epic battle they wage against Christ and against his church. To understand the esoteric roots of the thoughts behind the United Nations, which Giuseppe Mazzini already dreamed of, we cannot fail to take into account characters such as Albert Pike, Helena Blavatsky, Alice Ann Bailey, and other adherents of the Luciferian sects. His writings, published since the end of the 19th century, are extremely revealing. Albert Pike, a friend of Mazzini and a Freemason like him, stated it in an address to the high ranks of Freemasonry in France in 1889, and later collected on January 19, 1935 in the English magazine, The Freemason, quote, What we must say to the multitudes is that we worship a god, but it is the god who is worshipped without superstition. All initiates of the high degrees must maintain the Masonic religion in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. If Lucifer were not a god, Adonai, the god of Christians, whose actions denote greater cruelty, perfidy, hatred of man, barbarism, and rejection of science, would he have slandered him without his priests? Yes, Lucifer is God, and unfortunately, so is Odoni. 
by the eternal law for which there is no light without shadow, beauty without ugliness, white without black, the absolute can only exist as two divinities, darkness being necessity to light to serve as contrast, as is necessary the pedestal to the statue and the break of the locomotive. The doctrine of Satanism is a heresy. The true and pure philosophical religion is in the faith of Lucifer, the equal to Odoni. But Lucifer, god of light and god of good, fights for humanity against Odoni, god of darkness and demon. End the quote of Albert Pike. This profession of faith in the divinity of Satan is more than an acknowledgment of who, of who is the true god, great architect that masonry worships. It is a blasphemous political project that runs through conciliar ecumenism, theorized above all by nothing less than masonry. The Christian, the Jew, the Muslim, the Buddhist, the follower of Confucius, and that of Zoroaster can unite as brothers and participate together in the prayer to the only God who is above all other gods. See again Albert Pike, his book Morals and Dogma. And who is that only God who is above all other gods has been explained in the previous quote. There is more. The following is a quote from Giuseppe Mazzini on display in the British Museum Library, London. Quote, we will stir up the nihilists and the atheists, and we will provoke a formidable social cataclysm that will clearly show all nations and in all, and in all their horror the effects of absolute atheism, the origin of barbarism and bloody subversion. Then citizens everywhere, forced to defend themselves against a world minority of revolutionaries, will reach the true light with the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, finally revealed to the public, a manifestation that will be followed by the destruction of Christianity and atheism, defeated and crushed simultaneously, end quote. It will not escape anyone that the great heresy of separativity curiously recalls the ecumenism condemned by Pius XI in the encyclical Mortalium Animos, and vindicated by the conciliar declaration, Dignitates Humanae, and recently integrated into the doctrine of inclusivity formulated by the one who consented to surrender. Public worship of the Pacamama in San Pedro, and it is clearly with that separativity that they refer negatively to the obligatory distinction between good and evil, true and false, just and unjust, which constitutes a criterion for morally judging human behavior. It is opposed by inclusivity, that is, deliberately allowing oneself to be contaminated by evil in order to adulterate the good, equate the true and the false to the corrupt, the first, and give legitimacy to the second. If it is not understood that the ideological roots of ecumenism are intrinsically linked to Masonic Luciferian esotericism, the link between the doctrinal deviations of the Council and the New World Order plan cannot be grasped. A regrettable example of those pacifistic and ecumenical whims was the 68, when the Age of Aquarius was celebrated with the music of Hare and the song Aquarius, and later with Imagine by John Lennon. Imagine there is no heaven, it's easy if you try, that there is no hell under our feet. Above us, the firmament. Imagine everyone living in the, for the present. Imagine that there are no homelands. It is not difficult to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion. Imagine everyone living peacefully. You will say that I am a dreamer, but I am not the only one. I hope that one day you will join us, and the world will be one. Imagine that property does not exist. I do not know if you will be able. Imagine everyone sharing the planet. May there be no greed or hunger, and all men brothers. This Manifesto of Masonic Nihilism, by John Lennon, can be considered the hymn of globalism and the new universal religion. A soul not lost cannot help but be horrified by its blasphemous handwriting, as well as by the no less blasphemousness of God. God is a concept that helps us to measure pain. If I only believe in myself, 
should also be remembered, not without some displeasure, that certain statements by Ratzinger suggest an attempt to Christianize the World Cup project without condemning it as anti-Christian and anti-Catholic. Let the child of Bethlehem take you by the hand. Fear not him. The life-giving force of its light impels you to commit yourself to the construction of the new world order. That is a speech from a speech December 31st, 2005 by then Pope Benedict XVI. On the other hand, the Hegelian thesis antithesis Synthesis process evokes the motto Solve et Coagula of the alchemists, adopted by masonry and Luciferian esotericism. Motto written on the arms of Baphomet, an infernal idol worshipped by the sect's leadership, as recognized by its own authorized members. In his essay, Lucifer Rising, Philip Jones points out that Hegelian dialectic combines a form of Christianity as a thesis with a pagan spirituality as an antithesis, and to the result is a synthesis very similar to the mystery religions of Babylon. Ecumenism is the one of the key themes of globalist thought. This is confirmed by Robert Mueller, a former collaborator of the Secretary of the United Nations. We must move as quickly as possible towards a single world government, a single world religion, and a single world leader. Before him, one of the promoters of the League of Nations, Arthur Balfour, founded the Synthetic Society, which aspired to the creation of a single world religion. The same father, Teilhard de Chardin, S.J., a heretic condemned by the Holy Office and now a celebrated progressive theologian, considered the United Nations the progressive institutional embodiment of his philosophy and sponsored a general convergence of religions in a universal Christ that satisfy all. It seems to me, he said, the only form of religion that can be conceived for the future in order to narrow the gulf between pantheism and Christianity to remove what might be called the Christian soul or of pantheism, or the Christian aspect of pantheism. It is evident that the Pacamama and the attribution of Mary connotations to Mother Earth concretize these Telhardian concepts in a disturbing way. And that's not all. Robert Muller, world government theorist and follower of theosophist Alice Bailey, states, quote, Teilhard de Chardin influenced his companion, fellow Jesuit father Emmanuel Saguas de Brevery, who held important positions at the UN, who inspired his colleagues, which initiated a rich process of globalist and long-term thinking within the United Nations, which has aroused the interest of many people and countries. Tailhart has profoundly influenced me. On the future of man, Muller wrote, Although it is not yet glimpsed what form the future man will have, tomorrow humanity will wake up in a pan-organized world. Muller founded the World Core Curriculum, which aspired to guide our children towards the world citizenship, the Earth-centered faith, socialist values, and a collective mindset, which are becoming a prerequisite for the workforce of the world. And as she probably claimed among her inspirers none other than Alice Bailey, we discover that the Theosophist was a disciple of the Theosophical Movement founded by Helena Blavatsky. Lucifer represents life, thought, progress, civilization, freedom, independence— Lucifer is the Logos, the serpent, the savior, according to Blavatsky. And practically anticipating the Pacamama, Muller says, the celestial virgin becomes simultaneously the mother of the gods and demons, because she is always kind of beneficent divinity. But in ancient times, in reality, she is called Lucifer. Lucifer is divine and terrestrial light, the Holy Spirit and Satan at the same time. And he concludes by saying, the god of our planet is Satan, and he is the only god. Bailey founded the Lucifer Publishing House, now known as the Lucius Publishing House, closely linked to the Lucius Trust, formerly the Lucifer Trust, recognized as an NGO by the United Nations. If to this cluster of infernal delusions we add the words of David Spangler, director of the UN Planetary Initiative Project, we will re realize the terrible danger that threatens us all. No one will be part of the new world order until they perform an act of worship to Lucifer. No one will enter the new age who has not received Luciferian instruction. Regarding the New Age, Alice Bailey writes, quote, 
The conquests of science, nations, and territories are typical of the method of the age of Pisces, that of Christ, with its idealism, its militant attitude, and its separateness in all fields, religious, political, economic. But the age of synthesis, inclusion, and understanding has arrived, and the new education of the age of Aquarius, that of the Antichrist, has begun to penetrate very delicately into the human aura. Today we see that the didactic methods of the molar theorized in the New World Curriculum are adopted by almost all countries, with the LGBT ideology, gender ideology, and all their forms of indoctrination. This is confirmed by the former director of the World Health Organization, Dr. Brooke Chisholm, explaining what the UN's education policy aspires to, according to a 1991 report in Christian World Report. This is the common thread that not only unites Klaus Schwab with Helder Kamara, but also Robert Mueller and Alice Bailey with Pierre de Teilhard de Chardin and Emmanuel Saguas de Breuvry, always in the World Cup key and under the infamous inspiration of Luciferian thought. A deep analysis of these disturbing aspects will shed light on the truth and will reveal the complicities and betrayals of not a few men of the church subjected to the enemy. The corruption of authority is so serious that it makes it extremely difficult, at least in human terms, to hypothesize a peaceful solution. Throughout history, totalitarian regimes have been forcibly overthrown. It is hard to think that the health dictatorship that has been implanted in recent months can be fought in another way, since all powers of the state, all the information media, all the private public international institutions, and all the economic and financial potentates are accomplices of this crime. Faced with this devastating situation of corruption and conflict of interest, it is essential that all those who are not subject to the World Cup plan unite to form a compact and coherent front to defend natural and religious rights, their own health and that of our loved ones, the freedom and property. When the authorities leave their functions and even betray the purpose for which they were established, disobedience is not only lawful, but also required. A nonviolent disobedience, at least for the moment, but determined and courageous. Disobedience to the illegitimate and tyrannical dictates of the civil authorities. And firm opposition to the use of the ecclesiastical authorities wherever they are accomplices of the infernal plan of the New World Order. In conclusion, this reflection with a brief summer, brief spiritual thought Everything we know, discover, and understand about the current worldwide conspiracy shows us a tremendous reality, but at the same time clear. Clear. There are two opposing armies, that of God and that of Satan, that of the children of light and that of the children of darkness. It is not possible to establish alliances with the enemy, nor can one serve two masters. See the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 30. It is madness and blasphemy to aspire to build a world government in which the divine royalty of Jesus Christ is forbidden, and no one with such a project will ever achieve it. Where Christ reigns, peace, harmony, and justice reign. Where Christ does not reign, Satan is a tyrant. Let's think about it when in the name of a chimerical peace coexistence we have to decide whether or not to agree with the adversary, and that the prelates and rulers who believe that their complicity only concerns economic and health issues think so, pretending not to know what is going on behind the scenes. Let us return to Christ, to Christ the King of hearts, families, society, and nations. Let us proclaim him our King and Mary most holy our Queen. Only in this way can the infamous project of the new world order be defeated. Only in this way can the church purify itself by cleansing itself of traitors and renegades. And may God hear our prayer. Signed, Carlo Maria Viganò, Archbishop, on the 28th of August 2021, on the Feast of St. Augustine, Bishop and Confessor and Doctor of the Church.